Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code RADIO10. In a game where inches can mean the difference between the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat, punters can make all the difference in the world. One NFL punter has found a way to turn his inner weather geek into a real advantage on the gridiron. Today, we talk with two-time Pro Bowl punter and current member of the Tennessee Titans, Brett Kern, to talk about his dream of one day chasing storms and also his NFL career and the impacts of weather. Brett, thank you for joining us on the Weather Geeks podcast. Now, this this is really awesome, and uh, I'm always uh, happy to hear that there are fellow weather geeks in all walks of life. And as a as a big sports and NFL fan, it's it's an awesome honor to have you here. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, tell us how long you've been in the NFL. Where'd you go to school, and when did you first know that you loved weather? Yeah. Um, oh, I just finished my eleventh uh, season uh, in the NFL, and. Uh, it, uh, it's been quite a ride um, to experience it, and it goes fast, um, but I've enjoyed uh, every minute of it. And uh, I started um, as a Bronco. Um, I went undrafted um, out of the University of Toledo yep. and uh, spent, uh, spent some time there for a year and some change, and then I was released. And uh, a day later, I was on a flight uh, on an airplane uh, to Nashville, and I've been with the Titans ever since. And so... Um, like I said, it's been a pretty crazy ride. Uh, I've loved every minute of it. And, uh, you know, growing up, uh, I grew up in Grand Island, New York, which is, uh, an Island, you know, six miles wide, eight miles, uh, from top to bottom, uh, on the Niagara river sandwiched between uh, Lake Erie and Lake Ontario. So, uh, growing up, um, I was always fascinated with, uh, lake effect snow. So, uh, I was just curious how, uh, you know, a, a band, you know, maybe five, six miles wide could dump a foot and a half of snow in, um, you know, three, four hours. And, uh, you know, you're five miles away from it and you got green grass and the, and the sun is shining. So I was always really curious of, of how that worked. And, you know, up there, the, the lakes, you know, Lake Erie and Lake Ontario really uh, kind of determine our weather, um, especially in the wintertime and uh, even in the summertime, uh, you know, when that lake freezes over, uh, you know, the, the snow machine stops and, and you kind of get your regular winter weather. But, uh, you know, when the lake's not frozen, um, you, you're in for some some pretty hefty uh, snowstorm uh, potential. So I was always really curious with that, fascinated with that, uh, just how that all worked. And, and weather just kind of um, really fascinated with, really fascinated me, just uh, different types of weather, whether it's a hurricane or tornadoes. Um, all that kind of uh, weather patterns and uh, El Nino and La Nina, how that could, you know, affect um, our summers and winters and just the weather in general. So uh, I just, uh, I loved weather and uh, I went to University of Toledo uh, with a geography degree. Uh, they didn't offer meteorology, but uh, they were one of the, the schools that gave me a full ride for football. And I, I tried to uh, do as much as I could to, to be involved with weather. And I took all the weather classes that they offered. And, um, yeah, I'm about two, two to three classes short of actually getting a meteorology degree. Um, and, uh, you know, football didn't work out for me. I was going to go to maybe Penn state or, 
one of these schools that offered meteorology and finish out my degree and, and, and go from there. But, uh, you know, football has worked out pretty well. And I'd uh, say so pro bowler. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've been able to, to really stay involved though with, you know, weather kind of just being a hobby. Um, and it's really helped out with, with football as well. Yeah, no, this is, um, we're talking with Brett Kern. And for those of you that are listening to Weather Geeks, just to emphasis, he's not just any punter in the NFL. I, I mentioned in the introduction that he's a two-time pro bowler. So that means he's really one of the top punters in the league. And that, that's an interesting story. I, I think many people have a similar story. Um, I know many people in the meteorological community, there's some type of weather event or something about the weather growing up that got them fascinated uh, in the weather. I, I also want to touch on the fact that I, I actually, my home department at University of Georgia is in geography, uh, although I'm the director of the atmospheric sciences program. So there are meteorology programs. I came out of Florida State, but as you correctly noted, uh, if you have an interest in weather uh, or climate, there are many geography departments out there that do a good job of providing an overview of weather, climate, and other aspects of how the natural world works. Curious, what was your favorite, I mean, I, snowstorms and, and lake effect, but is, would you say that that's your favorite type of weather or is that just what got you initially interested? Yeah, I'd, I'd probably say uh, I love snow. I mean, growing up in Buffalo, um, you know, it's, it's cold and, you know, your ponds freeze over. So you, you grow up playing hockey on the ponds and, um, you know, whether you snowmobiling or, you know, you get on a board and, you know, go snowboarding or skiing. Um, I just, I love, uh, you know, sport activities in the wintertime. And so, uh, obviously growing up in Buffalo is a great place to do that. Um, but there was, uh, I remember one time in high school, um, and on the island, you know, our, our high school is on the, on the northern part of the, of the island. And then I lived uh, on the, in the southern part. And, yeah, it's only 10, 15 minutes away, uh, a drive to school. But um, I remember being in lunch class and uh, the principal came in and he said, hey, guys, we have an early dismissal. And, you know, everybody's excited and uh, thrilled that we get to leave school early. And uh, we said, hey, is everything all right? Like, why are we getting this early dismissal? And he said, well, for snow. And we looked outside and it was sunny and there was, there was no <laughs> snow on the ground, but you could tell where the lake effect machine was working and the cloud, I mean, the clouds are for lake effect snow are like no other, just really, really dark and not, not quite as scary as, you know, when you, when you know, there's a tornado kind of close and those type of clouds, but, um, seeing those dark clouds and you're thinking, okay, well it's, there's some lake effect going on. I just wonder where it is. And, um, so I drove home and there was already six inches of snow on the ground. And about two hours after I was home, I was outside snow plowing our driveway because we had a foot of half of snow. And uh, I called my buddy who lives right by the school and I said, hey, do you guys have any snow yet? And he said, no, we have nothing. Um, so just a matter of about four to five miles apart, he was outside green grass and I'm uh, working up a sweat, snow plowing a foot and a half of snow in my driveway. Oh, so, wow. um just that really just fascinated me, um, just how that all works and how he could <laughs> uh, be uh, outside enjoying the sun. And I'm working uh, like a dog trying to uh, clean our driveway off so my dad can get out of the driveway. Now, so. I should geek out on this a little bit because uh, for you that perhaps don't live in this part of the country, these lake effect snow bands are pretty amazing. Uh, you have a situation where the lake is not frozen over yet, so it is still liquid and it holds the heat a bit more than the surrounding land. Now, that's because of the, the physics of the difference between water and land. And so you get this sort of 
fetch. If you have the right fetch, uh, you're you're lifting that moisture off the off the light warm lake. It's you get convergence that causes more lift, and you get these very sort of narrow bands. And you, I think you, Brett, you put it nicely. Basically, a snow machine that's sort of a narrow plume of snow in some cases, depending on the fetch or how the how the wind flow is moving over the lake and how the lake is oriented. So it's really fascinating, as you noted. Yeah, and I think a lot depends on. Uh, you know, you, you, you'd wake up in the morning and, and you kind of see where the winds are coming from, depending on if they're going to come, uh, you know, from the Southwest, which, you know, when we heard Southwest winds, um, we knew we were in some trouble, but sometimes when you just get winds from the West, you know, Erie, Pennsylvania, they can get, they can get hit pretty hard. And, uh, even if they're coming from the Northwest, then, you know, then you're talking about Cleveland and, uh, parts of, uh, Northeast Ohio that get hammered. So, uh, it was just amazing to me that, um, uh, you know, I remember a couple of times driving uh, through them and I, I mean, you, you can't see no more than, you know, maybe a quarter mile, if that in front of you and you're, you're going on the highway, you're lucky if you're going over 30 miles an hour, uh, you're, you feel like you're going through a, a blizzard. Um, but it could only be for, you know, sometimes five miles, sometimes 10 miles and you get through it and then it's sunny skies and, and potentially green grass. And so that, that phenomenon really, uh, sparked my interest, uh, in weather and, uh, you know, growing up, seeing it uh, all the time, I was just, I, I couldn't wait for, uh, that time of year where you knew the lake effect machine was going to crank up. And even in the summertime, um, you know, you get lake effect rain, which isn't as fun, you know, I, I, as a kid, cause you can't really play outside. Sure. So, um, really looked forward to when the wintertime, uh, came around and, um, you know, when the lake effect machine would crank up and then you kind of got sad once you knew the lakes were frozen. So, uh, cause you knew you weren't going to get any big snowstorms. Exactly. We're talking with Brett Kern, NFL punter for the Tennessee Titans, Pro Bowl punter and the weather geek. And we love having weather geeks on the show. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the university of Georgia. I want to pivot now. Obviously, later in the show, we're going to talk about how weather affects your, your game as a punter in the NFL. Um, we're going to get to that uh, later, but You've talked about, and I read an article about you wanting to storm chase. Have you done it? And if you haven't done it, do you have any plans to do it anytime soon? <laughs> um, yeah, I was, uh, I w- I'm trying to remember how old I was. I think I was about 12. And my cousin, uh, my aunt, uncle, my, my cousins, they lived in uh, Overland Park, Kansas City. And, uh, you know, my family, we would, we'd go out there and visit them. And uh, there was one instance where when we went out there, um, I was actually able to see, uh, an, it was an F1 uh, tornado that was um, oh, about 10 miles south from from where they lived, but uh, where they lived, it was obviously pretty flat. So um, we were close enough to where we could see it from, from far away. And uh, that was the first time I ever got to see uh, or to- a tornado. And, and of course, at that time, I think the movie Twister came out a couple months later. So you put those two together and uh, I was always interested uh, in potentially maybe going to try and, and, and chase a tornado and just to really experience um, a tornado uh, firsthand because um, obviously in, in Buffalo, we don't have tornadoes. Yeah, so right. um, so that was that was really curious to me. And, and I figured, you know, that would be that'd be kind of fun to do. Um, and as I got older, uh, I met my wife at Toledo and, you know, I said, Hey, look, um, this football thing might work out. It might not, but if it, it doesn't, I really want to get into weather and I would maybe love to try, uh, chasing, um, tornadoes. And she kind of looked at me and, 
uh, I was like, you really think that's the best idea? And uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think my wife you know, would say something very similar. <laughs> she was like, look, you know I'm going to support you in whatever you want to do, whether it's football or if you want to chase tornadoes, but uh, I think you should try the football thing. Um, I think that would be nice. So, um, you know, she was she was all for it. She she thought that would be really cool to be able to go chase tornadoes and obviously with uh, understanding where they're tracking and, you know, being as safe as possible with it. But, uh, yeah, I thought maybe chasing tornadoes. And um, there was uh, another opportunity I had to, to go into the Air Force um, and be uh, a pilot for, uh, for hurricanes. So um, that didn't quite work out just because of the policy that the, the, the academies have. Um, you know, you need four years of service. At that time, you needed four years of service. Uh, unless you got drafted in the NFL. And I really wanted to give football a chance because uh, I felt like uh, I was good enough to play in the NFL. And um, and so that uh, that didn't work out. But uh, that's another one that I would have loved to to potentially try was, uh, you know, get my pilot's license for the for the Air Force and and uh, fly some planes through uh, through some hurricanes. Yeah, no, we got the, uh, the hurricane hunters down there based out of Biloxi uh, area, Mississippi, and certainly NOAA and NASA have research missions. I uh, During my f- career at NASA, before joining the University of Georgia, involved in some missions at NASA that involved some hurricane flights as well. So I can clearly see that in, in all of your goals and career goals, weather was never too far. So that that very much tells me how much you, you really have a passion for what we're doing. I'm, I, I want to stay storm chasing for a second. What do you think about storm chasing? I mean, you know, I, I, I will say that there are, you know, I, I certainly understand the, the value of it and the, the thrill of it and it's needed um, by uh, those that are trained to do it. But there's some pretty renegade chasing out there at times as well. And so there's been this debate in, within our field and within the weather community on, on storm chasing. What are your thoughts on it? And do you think there are some cases where you see people kind of get out of hand with it? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just think, um, you know, especially, you know, with, with tornadoes, they, they can be pretty uh, unpredictable. I think that's one thing that uh, it's still hard to uh, predict out what a tornado is going to do, where it's potentially going to go. Um, you know, even down here in, in Nashville, you know, when we have tornado warnings and, and things that pop up, um, there's just so much uncertainty about where they're going to fall, where they're going to go, their track. Um, you know, if there is one on the ground, where's it, where's it going? How long is it going to stay on the ground? Um, and so it's, it's dangerous, but you know, for, for us, um, you know, people that live in areas that are prone to tornadoes, it's, it's really important to, um, try to figure all that stuff out and be able to give people as much time notice to, to get to their safe place. And, uh, so I see, definitely see the value of it, trying to get as much data as you can. And, you know, to do that, you got to get pretty close and, uh, you know, the technology that they have now, um, just trying to figure out as much as you can as, as what sparks them, you know, is there certain things that happen in the atmosphere where you can almost predict, uh, before it happens, where it's going to be, where it's going to go. But, uh, that's just kind of one of the, the weather, uh, mysteries, I guess, um, that that's something that, uh, you, I feel like you can try as hard as you want to, to try to figure it out and, and the data and all that, but you, you just, you don't know. So, uh, it's dangerous. Um, you know, I, I, there's people that, that take a lot of precaution when they're doing it. Uh, obviously there's some people that, um, you know, are a little more fearless with it and, and obviously put their life, uh, at risk trying to, trying to get the best shot or the, the best data they could get as close as they can get, uh, to capture that video. Um, so it's, uh, it's fascinating to me, but, uh, 
it's one of those things where um, I'll kind of maybe stay at a distance uh, <laughs> trying to trying to chase the tornado. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. And we are back on the Weather Geeks podcast. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia. And I'm talking with NFL punter Brett Kern from the Tennessee Titans, who is one of the best punters in the National Football League, but also clearly someone, if you've been listening to this podcast, that knows his stuff when it comes to weather. How often do you look at the weather forecast yourself? Are you one of these people that are just constantly aware of what's going on around you, constantly looking at your phone apps, et cetera? I am, uh, especially during the season. Uh, that's such a huge, um, weather is so important for what, for what I do for a living. So during the season, I'm looking at it daily, um, whether even it's for practice, um, here in Nashville, or, you know, if we have a road game, uh, the best is when we play indoor and I don't have to worry about it, but, uh, uh, I'm always constantly looking at it. And, you know, during the off season, I'm also a big golfer too. So, you know, I, I'm constantly checking my, my apps just to see if it's going to be nice enough uh, to go golfing. So I'm uh, I have several apps on my phone. What are, what are some to, of your apps? What are your some of your favorite weather apps? Well, I mean, I, I do have the obviously the Weather Channel app is is my go to app. We, we did not pay him to say that. <laughs> we did not. Uh, you definitely did not. But uh, you know, there's um uh, I use the Radar Scope uh, app a lot. Um, that's probably more for um, just in case the power goes out and. Uh, you know, we, we might have a, a tornado warning or a tornado watch um, kind of in our area. So that's just one app that I really look to just to kind of see, uh, you know, where the big storms are going. And obviously you can tell debris signatures on that one too. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll turn that one on and, and, and try to figure that one out just in case the, the power goes out, the TV goes out and, uh, you know, we can, you know, keep my family safe uh, and, and kind of know what's going on. So uh, there's other, you know, I have some local apps, you know, whether it's through the news stations or, or whatnot, but um, honestly, the, uh, you know, the weather service app is, is, um, is probably the most accurate one I feel, uh, and the one I trust the most. Yeah. So you, you're very weather aware, as we say, uh, he mentioned that debris field and the debris ball. If, uh, if you do have certain apps like a radar scope, which is one of the apps I have on my phone as well, uh, with the new dual polarization radars that we now have that the national weather service operates, uh, it not only just sees the radar return or whether it's raining and the, the movement of the, uh, raindrops, which is the Doppler, but it allows us to see sort of the, it's, it's going to get geeky here, but this is weather geek. So we can, uh, the, the polarization of the particular radar uh, waves, you can actually see how the drops are oriented and whatnot. And there's something called a correlation coefficient in there. And there's some other things that you can get in these dual polarization radars that can essentially give you an indication of the debris ball if there's a tornado. And so it's a really interesting tool. So it's interesting to hear that you you say that you're sort of uh, paying attention to those types of things as well. Yeah, there's a, actually a little shout out. There's a, a a group of guys here locally, the uh, Nashville, uh, well, Nash Severe Weather X, they have a Twitter account. And uh, it's just, you know, one guy's a lawyer. I think the other one uh, leads worship at his church. Uh, it's just a group of guys that, um, 
They have a Twitter account that uh, they really hone in on weather for Middle Tennessee and, and the, the greater Nashville area. And uh, so they use Radar Scope a lot. And I've actually been able to learn um, some stuff through them because they, they'll do periscopes and, uh, you know, he shows uh, the models, whether it's a Euro model or, or different types of uh, models for precipitation coming in. And, um, and so I know they use Radar Scope a lot. Uh, especially come tornado season uh, around here. Um, so I've been able to learn a lot of things, and I've actually learned how to really use that app uh, through them, which has been uh, really cool to, to use. Yeah, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a great app, and there are lots of good apps out there. So shout, out, shout out to all the weather app developers uh, as well. Hey, hey I want to kind of now transition to how you might use your interest and knowledge of weather uh, for an advantage on the field. Give us an, a sense when you are playing an outdoor game, you said for domes, it's not as much of an issue or clearly not an issue. But when you're in an outdoor situation, let's let's just walk through some different weather scenarios and tell me how you're going about your business as a punter in the NFL and you're considering perhaps a day whether it's whether, where it's going to be either windy, cold, maybe the sun's in your eye. I mean, what are some of the things that you have to consider? Yeah, well... You know when that when the roof is closed on an indoor game, that's uh, that's a beautiful thing for me. Uh, that's uh, a, a week where I can kind of relax a little bit about the weather and not have to worry about uh, wind and, and temperature and, and all that stuff. But uh, you know, I know optimal ball flight uh, temperature is seventy two degrees, so that's kind of my base start. Um, but uh, you know, I'll look at humidity. Uh, you know, when it, when it's cold out. Uh, and it's dry, um, you know, the ball, The bi- well, the biggest thing in is, you know, when it's cold out, that ball gets harder. So the compression uh, from ball to foot uh, decreases big time. So the, the less compression you have on your foot, the ball's just not going to go as far. Uh, and that's true with, you know, football, baseball. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, slow-mo when a driver, when a, when a golfer is uh, driving the ball and they and they slow it down and they see the impact of that club head hitting the golf ball, uh, it looks like that whole golf ball is just smushed, um, you know, the comp- with the compression. So, um, you know, obviously the colder it gets, the less compression you're going to get. And, you know, for me, you know, we start at 72 degrees, you know, if you get in the 60s, you're still, you're still fine. The 50s, um, you know, I, I kind of look at it, you're probably going to get about three to four yards less uh, than normal. And then you get into the 40s, you know, it starts going down another two to three yards. And then, uh, you know, like this weekend, uh, you know, Kansas City with the AFC championship game, you know, they're talking about it's going to be 10 degrees. Um, you're looking at very, very minimal compression and you're looking at uh, probably a good 10 yards uh, of less travel. And then you got hang time as well. So, um, you know, if it's 72 degrees, you're looking at it, you can hit a normal ball, uh, you know, four, seven, four, eight, which is really good. Um, and then as it gets colder, that four, seven, four, eight turns into four, six, four, five, um, you know, four, what, four, what are you, what are, what are you aiming for in terms of your hang time? What, what is a really good hang time for an NFL punter? Um, I mean, if you get it over five, uh, that's, that's a big ball. Um, you know, for me personally, um, you know, if I can get one, you know, 50 yards at about a four, six, four, seven, that's a, that's a good hit for me, um, with, with direction. I, I like to aim to the sidelines. Uh, I'm, you know, in the NFL, they have their bombers, which guys that just hit it right down the middle with, with really good hang time. And then for myself, um, I'm more of a directional punter. So I'm, I'm aiming for the right sidelines, left sidelines. And, and sometimes to get the ball out there, um, you know, you got to take a little bit of hang time off to, to get some distance. So, 
Um, so for me, you know, the colder the game gets, uh, the harder it is for me to hang the ball, which means my direction is a lot more important uh, to really get it out to the sidelines because there's just less room for error. So um, I know that as as cold as it gets, you know, the hang time starts getting less. Um, and then it obviously becomes um, harder to hit the ball just because your your sweet spot on the ball gets a little bit smaller because you don't have as much compression. So, um, you know, and, I, and the reverse is, you know, as it gets warmer, you go down and play in Miami. Um, sometimes it's it's so humid down there uh, that the ball doesn't, uh, it doesn't, you can get a lot of distance, but it necessarily doesn't hang as well uh, just because there's so much humidity and the ball doesn't travel uh, as high or as far. So, um, that's why I say domes are perfect because they're 72 degrees and there's, you don't have to worry about anything. So, uh, but, uh, I know in Kansas city this weekend, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be pretty tough for those guys to, um, to hit a, a really good solid ball. I remember we played there in 2016 and we actually had the coldest game ever at Arrowhead. It was zero degrees at kickoff and, uh, Ryan suck up our kicker. You know, he can routinely make 55 yarders, 60 yarders in practice. But when we went out there, it was zero degrees. The wind chill was minus 12, minus 13, I believe. And when we went out there for warm-ups, he was struggling to make a 40-yard field goal. It was wow. short. So there's just, I mean, no compression. The ball, I mean, it hurts to kick it. Um, and so, yeah, I'm always constantly looking at uh, the temperature and, you know, you mix that in with some wind. Uh, our stadium here in Nashville, we have two opened ends. So, uh, and it faces uh, northwest to southeast. So... Um, sometimes if you get a southwest wind, it'll come in, uh, hit the one side of the stands, and it, it kind of just stays trapped in there. And so you get some swirling winds and, and whatnot. And there's other stadiums where, um, you know, if you get a certain wind direction, the, the stands block it. So you don't necessarily have to worry about it as much. But if it comes, you know, if it's coming from the west, the stands might block it. But if it's coming from the north, then you know it's coming through an open area and you're going to have to deal with some wind. So. I'm constantly looking at wind and uh, temperatures and uh, humidities just to just to understand. So I know when I go into a game what to expect. Now, you, you mentioned wind and, and you mentioned you also are a golfer. I, I, I try to play golf, too. I guess if you want to call it play, uh, <laughs> I'm doing something out there. <laughs> but uh, do you think about in the same way when you're you're hitting a tee shot, for example, you're you're looking at the wind. You maybe throw something up to get a sense of it and you can you know, adjust your swing accordingly. So you're 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 making those adjustments on the fly as well in those wind situations when you're punting yeah definitely you know that's um you know we go out uh, before game an hour and a half beforehand and we spend about you know 30 minutes warming up and uh, for me it's a chance to go out there and um and to really see what what the wind is doing to my ball flight um you know sometimes you might hit a really good ball but if it's not a spiral to be able to cut the wind kind of like you know when a quarterback throws a ball um if it's not that tight spiral the wind can just eat it up and knock it down so um, i always try to use the wind um for my advantage if if i'm punting and uh you know there's a right to left wind i'm not going to try to punt it to the right back into it so i want to go left that way you know the wind helps me out and it helps push it towards the sidelines so we're constantly trying to figure things out, um, you know, with the wind direction and, and Ryan the same way when he's kicking field goals, um, you know, he might want me to lean the ball a certain way to help uh, fight the wind. If it's a if it's a right to left wind, he might want to try to hit a cut, uh, a little left to right ball into it so the wind uh, doesn't affect it as much. So there's a lot of talk, a lot of chatter between us trying to figure out which way we want to punt, which way do we want to kick, uh, which way the wind going. 
because um, you always want to use the wind to your advantage when you're playing. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And we're back on the Weather Geeks podcast. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia, and we're talking with Brett Kern of the Tennessee Titans. He's a punter in the NFL, pro bowler, two-time pro bowler, and a weather geek, and we love that. Are there times when you look at the schedule and you see where you're playing and you're like, oh, God, I hate playing there. I hate kicking there. Uh, what, what are those stadiums that you just hate kicking in because of the weather or, either, or any other circumstances? Yeah, I think anytime you get above the Mason-Dixon line in December, you're in for some, uh, for some iffy weather. So, uh, um, you know, anytime you have to go up north, uh, really to the northeast, uh, New England, New York, Buffalo, uh, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, you know, some of these uh, northeast cities, um, you just hope that you don't see them on your schedule in December. Right. Um, now, you know, two years ago, we played at New York, the Jets, and it was mid-December, and it was 65 at kickoff. Uh, and then the following week we played at New England and it was 28 at kickoff. So, uh, I mean, there's definitely still circumstances that, um, sometimes when you go up North, you can, you can really dodge a bullet, um, as far as weather. And then there's other times where, uh, you know, two years ago, like I said, we went, we went to Kansas city, uh, mid December and it was the coldest game ever arrowhead. So, uh, you're definitely, when that schedule comes out in April, you're definitely eyeing up, um, you know, you're hoping that you play Indy for us, uh, Indianapolis is inside, Houston's inside. You, you hope those games fall in December and not in September when the, you, when the weather's usually nice. But, uh, yeah, we definitely look at the schedule, uh, just to kind of eye it up and, and to really kind of formulate a game plan, uh, for the year, as far as just really mentally getting yourself ready for, uh, maybe some of the games that you might have in, in December. And I, I want to make sure I kind of timestamp the podcast because as we're talking, uh, the AFC championship game that Brett was mentioning between the Patriots and the Chiefs is going to be played on Sunday, even though I think this podcast will actually be airing after that game. But I just wanted to make sure that I kind of timestamp that. But uh, that really is going to be a, a cold event as you're talking about. Now, you know, it's something that came to mind. We don't have to get into the whole deflate gate type thing, but the, the, the temperature does affect the ball in terms of the, I mean, I, I know from just teaching this, the ideal gas law, the equation of state, there are relationships between pressure, density, and temperature. So when you're kind of going out to kick or warm up, uh, do you as an organization have people or yourself, are you sort of feeling to make sure the balls are the proper inflation and those types of things? Or is that something you don't even have to worry about as a punter? Yeah, I mean, the NFL, uh, they're pretty strict uh, as far as, you know, our K balls are, you know, an hour and a half before the game, they break in the K balls. It's not like the quarterback balls where they might have two to three weeks to kind of get them how uh, they like them. You know, Aaron Rodgers likes it a certain way. Uh, you know, Tom Brady might like it a different way, whether it's the grip. Um, I know the inflation has to be, I think, between 11 and 12 pounds. Um, and so I think you, you, you can be allowed to, you know, Tom Brady might be a guy where he likes his footballs at exactly 11.8. I mean, that's, it's that precise. So, um, you know, for us, you kind of, Hey, hour and a half before the game, 
uh, our ball guys get them straight out the the box from Wilson, and they have uh, about a half hour to break them in. So um, a lot of times we're dealing with different types of of, of K balls beforehand, and uh, you know I know you're not allowed to if it's 20 degrees outside. The the K ball guy can't go over to the heater and 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 put the ball in front of the heater. So. Um, you're kind of susceptible to whatever, however the balls came out of the box, however they broke them in. Sometimes they're really easy. Sometimes uh, they're not. But, um, you know, you're definitely, you're pretty much mentally prepared. If, it, if it's cold out, um, you're probably not going to have a great ball. And it, it just emphasizes more of, of really trying to make great contact uh, with the football and, and understanding um, hey, you know what? I'm I'm probably not going to go out there and hit a 55 yard 50 uh, like I could in September. Right. Um, it just um, it's just not going to happen. What's so, what's your worst game? At, I mean, what, is there a particularly memorable game that just from a weather standpoint you were like, man, I stink today because of the weather? <laughs> yeah, um, you know uh, there was. Uh, I remember you know we played in Buffalo, ironically. Um, and it was probably 20 mile an hour winds and thankfully it was about 50 degrees but uh, I just remember being so windy and I remember warming up um, you know I hit some balls that I thought I hit really good and you you look up and you watch the ball and there it lands you know 30 yards uh, out in front of you and you're trying to figure things out and sometimes that's just a a mode of all right I I, I just need to get through this game the best that I can Um, so uh, I, I had some games in high school. Uh, I remember playing at, at Lakeshore, uh, and it dumped about eight inches of snow on us during the game, um, and that was that was pretty fun. Uh, thankfully, it was in high school because I think in, in the NFL I'd be uh, pretty nervous about that uh, having <laughs> to play in a game like that. But in high school, it was it was a lot of fun to to be able to play in a game like that. Um, you know, there's for me, it's been uh, not so much of the rain games or even snow, but just sometimes. Uh, it, some of these games, it gets so windy um, that it's just it's hard to really make solid contact with the football. And uh, even for Ryan, when he's kicking, uh, you know, he he tells me when we go out there, hey, look, this is my target, and so I know where his target is, where he's aiming. And there'll be times he hits a ball and it is right to his target, and a 20 mile hour wind gust comes and it's not even close. So, um, you know, those wind games are probably the ones I hate the most uh, just because you you could hit a really good ball and you're not going to get the outcome that you thought um, you were going to get based on the contact you made. So win win games are definitely not uh, something I look forward to. Well, you you mentioned rain and snow. Are there any particular challenges when it comes to either of those? I mean, in terms of planting the foot to kick or any other things that you're considering? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, this year we played uh, up in New York, uh, we played the Giants uh, in December, and it rained uh, the whole game. And uh, the the guy that was in charge of the K-balls, he uh, made the mistake and F, uh, accidentally left the, the bag uh, open. Oh, no. Uh, so all our balls got soaked. So now it becomes, okay, there's rain, so you got to catch the ball first. There's some wind, so you have to deal with that. And now you have to deal with a ball that is soaked. And now instead of it being... Um, you know, however heavy the ball is, now you have to add, you know, maybe another pound because uh, it's just saturated. Right. So now, now a whole new element becomes in of hey, now the now the ball is just not going to go as far just because it's it's heavy, um, and and your drop, you know, when I when I catch it and I, I put my drop out there, it's not it's it's heavier, so the ball is going to drop a little bit quicker um, coming out of your hand. So there's, 
you know, when, you, when you're dealing with rain, then you got to, you know, there's elements to that where, uh, you know, the ball's just not going to go as far because it's, it's wet, it's soaked. And um, so there's definitely uh, some challenges w- with that. Yeah, I want to use the last few minutes of the podcast to just really pick your brain as an NFL punter. Um, for example, I'm noticing more of this rugby style punting now. I mean, what, what's driving that from your perspective? Um, yeah, I mean, we're definitely um, they got a, a good little system set up. Uh, I know there's a couple schools talking to some guys that have come from Australia. Um, I know there's some schools over there that uh, are are strictly um, just for punting for guys that are learning you know rugby kicking to now let's try to transition it to how do you kick a a, a football um just because back when i was you know coming out uh, of high school in 2004 uh not all schools were necessarily scholarshipping a kicker and a punter um is that now, is that right yeah so oh, wow. now um now it's definitely more of an emphasis um a lot more kids are getting scholarships for for kicking and punting and you know over there they see that as an opportunity to come here and, and get a great education uh, and also kick some footballs with maybe the opportunity to, to play in the NFL. Um, so I think there's there's probably six or seven Australian guys that are playing in the league. And so with that whole uh, Australian football type kick where the ball's end over end, uh, I thought it was crazy when, you know, about three or four years in the league uh, that was starting to become more popular. Uh, and then I implemented it into my game. Uh, and I realized that it's, it's a really good, it's like a wedge shot uh, in golf. You can you can really control uh, the distance on it and you can control the spin. And it's just a way, uh, you know, when you're trying to pin a team deep, uh, you know, inside the 10 yard line, you can almost, uh, I've, I've been practicing it so much that sometimes I'll put a trash can out there on the five yard line. And from 40, 45 yards away, I'm able to almost put it in the trash can. So, wow. That's impressive. Uh, it's just a way to, to really uh, control your ball. Uh, you can control the flight, you can control the hang time with it. And, um, it's become a, an effective weapon, and I'm kind of glad the Australians came over and, and taught us some things. Now, you, you know, thinking about this, we're talking uh, with Brett Kern of the Tennessee Titans, kind of finishing up the podcast here. Punters, do you think that you get the, the credit that you deserve, or do you think you often, and I will say this about kickers too, get too much of the blame in situations as well? I mean, it's, it's a really tough, tough thing to do, but it's a really important thing you do. And I think you mentioned that you're starting to see more acknowledgement of that at the collegiate level with scholarships being given to punters and kickers. So do you think that the game has changed in any ways or uh, and as such that people are really recognize as, man, punters are key to the game? I think so. I think, you know, um, you know, Pat McAfee, uh, yeah, he he's he's kind of uh, labeled the uh, the for the brand thing, and I think he's just uh, you know having a fun time of just making people aware of of how important um, and kind of some of the big plays that kickers and punters can make through an NFL game. Usually, fourth down comes around, and people are you know getting out of their seat to go grab a beer or, or go to the bathroom or something. And uh, you know sometimes um, you know punters and kickers can make plays in games that um, you know at least for myself with punting, uh, you know if you pin a team deep you know, inside the 10 yard line, the, the, the percentages you look at across the NFL of a team being able to go 90 yards is, is really, really slim compared, uh, to a team, you know, if they start on the 30 or 40, um, the, the chances of them scoring are a lot higher. So, um, just little plays, you know, controlling field position and, and, um, helping your defense out to, for them to be able to go out there and, and understand, Hey, look, this offense has to go 85, 90 yards for them to, to, to score a touchdown. So, 
Um, I know he, he's he's having a lot of fun with it on social media and, and just kind of pointing out plays on Sunday where a punter might make a, a, a great punt to, to pin a team deep or, you know, a kicker with a with a game winner. And, you know, for kicking, I mean, uh, a kicker might only have one crack at a field goal and it might be a game winner. So uh, there's just, a you know, a lot of pressure for for them and um, you know maybe they might only get one or two chances during a game and but but those one or two chances might have a huge impact on on the outcome of the game so um, you know it's uh, it's 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 kind of becoming a little bit uh, more of a trend for for people to kind of to see you know different punts or, or different types of kicks and uh, obviously there's great ones and there's you know bad ones like with with every uh, type of playing football um, but uh, it's uh, it's kind of fun to see him uh, be able to kind of point out some of the really good plays that happen on Sunday for for us specialists. Uh, last thing here, you mentioned social media. Where can people follow you on Twitter or any of your other social media, media handles? Yeah, I keep it simple. I'm just Brett Kern Six. So uh, you know, Twitter and uh, Instagram, and usually I just post pictures of my family and uh, you know some of the things that we do throughout the season. Uh, you know, we were able to go to London this year, which was uh, which was a lot of fun to be able to experience that and. And play football over in Wembley Stadium, which was a uh, you know it's a huge soccer venue, but uh, to be able to play a football game over there was was really fun. Was it typical London England weather? Uh, it was actually warm. Uh, the the people over there were saying how warm it was, and uh, I think the game time temp was fifty fifty five degrees. So oh, wow. I think the next week uh, I think they had some snow. So uh, we uh, we definitely dodged a bullet over there. Well, that's it. We we actually have to end it here. I've really enjoyed it. By the way, this is really the third current or former NFL player that we've had on either the Weather Geeks television show or the Weather Geeks podcast. We had Owen Daniels, uh, former tight end in the league who actually has a degree in meteorology and we had Warwick Dunn who talked to us several years ago and now uh, we have the honor of talking with Brett Kern of the Tennessee Titans. Brett, thank you so much for joining us on the Weather Geeks podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.